Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. We left off on Friday with David's son Absalom marching on Jerusalem, David fleeing Jerusalem down to Jericho, and Ahithophel, David's senior political advisor, betraying David and siding with Absalom. Now there's no choice but to go to war. And that's where we turn for today's podcast. 2 Samuel chapter 18. David mustered the men who were with him and appointed over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. David sent the troops out, a third under the command of Joab, a third under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zariah, and a third under Ittai the Gittite. The king told the troops, I myself will surely march out with you. Remember, David always led from the front. If David was taking the hill, he was the first one up the hill. David was the tip of the spear. But the men said, You must not go out. If we are forced to flee, they won't care about us. Even if half of us die, they won't care. But you are worth 10,000 of us. It would be better now for you to give us support from the city. Well, the men knew that if Absalom prevailed, it wouldn't matter how many of the men got killed. They would go after David for sure. Absalom would kill his own father. So they plead with him to stay behind. Now, I find it really interesting that the king answered, I will do whatever seems best to you. Because if David did go out and he did lead the men, it would come down to David fighting his son Absalom. And David, a seasoned warrior, a brilliant warrior, would end up killing his own son. David knew it. That's why he fled Jerusalem to begin with. But now he concedes very quickly. So the king stood beside the gate while all the men marched out in units of hundreds and of thousands. The king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, Be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. And all the troops heard the king giving orders concerning Absalom to each of the commanders. David doesn't want anything to happen to Absalom. Though that boy has betrayed him, Though that boy would take David's life in a heartbeat, David loved his son. Make sure nothing happens to Absalom. The army marched into the field to fight Israel, and the battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. There, the army of Israel was defeated by David's men, and the casualties that day were great. 20,000 men. The battle spread out over the whole countryside, and the forest claimed more lives that day than the sword. Now, Absalom happened to meet David's men. He was riding on his mule, a big war animal, and as the mule went under the thick branches of a large oak, Absalom's head got caught in the tree. He was left hanging in midair, while the mule he was riding kept right on going. Now, you might recall the description of Absalom, very handsome young man with long flowing hair. Indeed, when he cut his hair, 
It had five pounds of hair on the ground. So as Absalom is galloping along on the mule, he goes under, in my translation, it reads oak tree. It's actually a pistachio tree. I know exactly where it is in Israel. He went under a pistachio tree and his hair got caught in the branches. It was blowing out behind him and it tangled in the branches. The mule kept galloping and there was Absalom hanging midair. When one of the men saw this, he told General Joab, I just saw Absalom hanging in a pistachio tree. Joab said to the man who had told him this, What? You saw him? Why don't you strike him to the ground right there? And then I have to go and give you 10 shekels of silver and a warrior's belt. I would have rewarded you for that. But the man replied, Even if a thousand shekels were weighed out into my hands, I would not lift my hand against the king's son. In our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, protect the young man Absalom for my sake. And if I had put my life in jeopardy and nothing is hidden from the king, you would have kept your distance from me. And Joab said, I am not going to wait like this for you. So he took three javelins in his hand and he stood there before Absalom, who's dangling by his hair in the pistachio tree. And General Joab took three javelins and throwing the first into Absalom's heart and the second and the third, thinking all the while, you little son of a bitch, you betrayed your father, you betrayed me, you burned my field. Oh, Joab was furious with this young man and he killed him. Ten of Joab's armor bearers surrounded Absalom, struck him down, made, finished him off, made sure he was dead. And then Joab sounded the trumpet and the troops stopped pursuing Israel for Joab halted them. They took Absalom, threw him into a big pit in the forest and piled up a large heap of rocks over him. And meanwhile, all the Israelites fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had taken a pillar and erected it in the king's valley as a monument to himself. For he thought, I have no son to carry on the memory of my name. He named the pillar after himself and it's called Absalom's Monument to this very day. Now, Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, said, let, the men, uh, let me run and take the news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. And Joab told him, You are not the one to take news today. You may take the news another time, but you must not do so today because the king's son is dead. You don't want to go to David and tell him that. Trust me. And Joab said to a Cushite, Go, tell the king what you've seen. And the Cushite bowed down before Joab and ran off. Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, again said to Joab, Come what may, please let me run behind the Cushite. But Joab replied, My son, why do you want to go? Hey, you don't have any news that will bring you a reward. 
Think about this, young man. He said, come what may, I want to run. So Joab said, well, go ahead, run. And then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Now, while David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of the palace, the watchman went up to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, he saw a man running alone. The watchman cried out to the king and reported it. The king said, if he's alone, he must have good news. And the man got closer and closer. And then the watchman saw another man running. He called down to the gatekeeper, another man coming in. And the king said, he must be bringing good news too. And the watchman said, it seems to me that the first one runs like a high mass, son of Zadok. Oh, he's a good man, said the king. He comes with good news. And then Ahimaaz called out to the king, All is well. And he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And he said, Praise be to the Lord your God. He has delivered up the men who lifted their hands against my lord the king. And the king asked, Is the young man Absalom safe? Notice, David's not interested in the army that went out, but is Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, Oh, I saw great confusion as Joab was about to send the king's servant and me, your servant, but I don't know what it was. The king said, stand aside, wait here. So he stepped aside and stood there. And then the Cushite arrived and said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The Lord has delivered you today from all those who rose up against you. And the king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? And the Cushite replied, not knowing anything about the relationship between David and Absalom. The Cushite replied, Well, may the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. No, that dude's dead. <laughs> the king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and he wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son. Oh, oh, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. The, the grief that David expresses is the most heartbreaking grief in all of Scripture. Joab was told the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And the whole army, the victory that day turned into mourning because on that day the troops heard it said the king is grieving for his son the men stole into the city that day as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from battle the king covered his face and cried aloud oh my son absalom oh absalom my son my son <laughs> and then joab went into the house to the king and he said, today you have, oh, Absalom, Joab's furious with David. He went into the house and he said to David, today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it abundantly clear today that the commanders and their men mean absolutely nothing to you. 
I see that you'd be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now you get out there and encourage your men, because I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. And this will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come upon you from your youth until now. What is wrong with you, David? The king got up, took his seat in the gateway, and the men were told the king is sitting in the gateway, and they all came before him. Meanwhile, the Israelites had fled to their homes. Throughout the tribes of Israel, the people were all arguing with each other, saying, the king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He is the one who rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. But now he's fled the country because of Absalom. And Absalom, whom we anointed to rule over us, is dead. So why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? King David sent this message to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. Ask the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to his palace, since what is being said throughout Israel has reached the king at his quarters? You are my brothers, my own flesh and blood, so why should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my own flesh and blood? May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if from now on you are not the commander of my army in place of Joab. He won over the hearts of all the men of Judah, as though they were one man. They sent word to the king, return, you and all your men. And then the king returned and went as far as the Jordan River. Now the men of Judah had come to Gilgal to go out and meet the king and bring him across the Jordan. Shimei, son of Gera, that little weasel Shimei, remember him? Pelting David with rocks and dung and cursing him when David was fleeing Jerusalem? Shimei, the little weasel from Baharim, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet King David. With him were a thousand Benjamites, the tribe of King Saul, along with Ziba, the steward of Saul's household, and his 15 sons and 20 servants. They rushed to the Jordan, where the king was. They crossed at the ford opposite Jericho to take the king's household over and to do whatever he wished. Now, when that little weasel Shimei, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king. And he said, Oh, May, may my Lord not hold me guilty. Oh, do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem. Oh, may the king put it out of his mind, for I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Today I've come here as the first of the whole house of Joseph to come down and meet my Lord the king. Oh, oh, my Lord, I am so sorry that I, I, I cursed you and, and, and pelted you with rocks and threw camel dung at you. Oh, oh my. Of course, that little weasel, Shimei, is waiting for his head to be lopped off. Abishai, son of Zariah, said, Shouldn't that little weasel be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. David replied, What do you and I have in common, you sons of Zariah? This day you have become my adversaries. Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? 
Do I not know that today I am king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. David is done with killing. Absalom is dead. David, though brought back to the throne, is a broken man. David's not looking for revenge. He's looking for peace. Now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. And when he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. David promised Jonathan that if anything happened to Jonathan, he would take care of Jonathan's family. Mephibosheth is the only survivor of the family. And he was crippled. David took him in. Yes, to keep an eye on him. He didn't trust him. But he took him in. He took care of him. He said, why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? And he said, My lord the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I'll have my donkey saddled and will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My, my lord the king is like an angel of God. So do whatever pleases you. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my lord, the king. You know, my grandfather, Saul, was king. He was killed in battle. He had been hunting you. You were on the run as an outlaw. You had every right to kill him and his whole family. But you didn't. You gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king. And the king said to him, Why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the fields. Mephibosheth said to the king, Let, it, let him take everything. Now my lord, the king has arrived home safely. Barzillai, the Gileadite also came down from Rogalim to cross the Jordan with the king and to send him on his way from there. Remember Barzillai? He provided assistance for David during this very troubled time. Now Barzillai was a very old man, 80 years of age. He had provided for the king during his stay in Mehanaim, for he was a very wealthy man. And the king said to Barzillai, Cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem. I'll provide for you. But Barzillai answered the king, Oh, come on. How many more years will I live that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king? I'm now 80 years old. Now you might recall Psalm 90 attributed to Moses. We read, The span of a man's life is 70 years or 80 for those who are strong. This whole idea of people back in the days of David and the days of Jesus and Paul only lived a short while. I remember a woman in class 
adamantly insisting that at 33 years old, Jesus was already an old man. The average age was only 35. Well, that's simply not true. Well, it is true in that if you include infant mortality, women dying during childbirth, uh, childhood illnesses resulting in death, and you arithmetically average all of that, you get a low number. But if you make it past infancy and childhood into your teenage years, how long do you expect to live? 70 years, 80 if you're strong. What's the average age of death in the United States, male and female combined, right now? 78.3 years. Nothing's changed. So Barzillai says, look, I'm 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what's good and what's, what's not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? <laughs> you want me to come to the palace and, and, and go to the feasts and the festivals? Come on, I'm an old man. Can I still hear the voices of men and women singing? Why should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? No, no, no. Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short while. But why should the king reward me this day? Let your servant return that I may die in my own town near the tomb of my father and mother. But here's your servant, Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king and do for him whatever pleases you. Kimham, a servant of Barzillai, is given to David. The king said, King Ham shall cross over with me and I will do for him whatever pleases you. And anything you desire for me, I will do for you. You have been a loyal friend. Anything you need, I'll provide. So all the people crossed the Jordan. And when the king crossed over, the king kissed Barzillai and gave him his blessing. And Barzillai returned to his home. And when the king crossed over to Gilgal, Kimham crossed over with him. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel had taken the king over. Soon, all the men of Israel were coming to the king and saying to him, Why did our brothers, the men of Judah, steal the king away and bring him and his household across the Jordan together with all his men? All the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, We did this because the king is closely related to us. Why are you angry about it? Have we eaten any of the king's provisions? Have we taken anything for ourselves? And then the men of Israel, the northern part of the kingdom, answered the men of Judah from the southern part of the kingdom and the tribe of David. We have 10 shares in the king, 12 tribes. The Levites have no land, they're the priests, but 11 tribes with land, 10 of whom make up the northern portion of Israel. Only one, Judah, makes up the southern portion. So we have 10 shares in the king. And besides, we have a greater claim on David than you have. So why do you treat us with contempt? Were we not the first to speak of bringing back our king? But the men of Judah responded even more harshly than the men of Israel. So David's on the way back home, on the way back to the palace, on the way back to the throne and the kingship. But already people are arguing about who gets credit for what. Well, 
you can be sure trouble awaits. And what will that trouble be? We shall find out on Wednesday's podcast. Good being with you, friends. And I will see you in a couple of days. Bye-bye now.